Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. All right, we continue our series that we uh, called Reigning in Grace and for the last, oh, by the way, how many of you have been doing at the conference? Some of you were. Did you guys enjoy it? It was awesome. It was fun. I told you some of you will have to uh, wear diapers, and I think some of you needed diapers there. (laughs) Well, anyway, I got distracted again. Okay, let's come back to our series, Reigning in Grace. It's based on chapter 5, verse 19 of the book of Romans. And the phrase is kind of the one that we're not used to. We're not used to think of ourselves as someone who would reign in this life, but If you read Paul, he says, if you learn how to receive two things, the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace, you will be reigning in life through Jesus Christ. You will be representing a different kingdom in the kingdom of darkness. That's what the Bible says. I'm sorry. I I grilled some brats last night, so it was very salty. Too much information, I know. Uh, okay, so I will, I will finally start. So let me just start by saying this. Last two messages, I spoke how much confusion there is in the church when people do not know the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, and they combine them, and they confuse them, and they conflate it, and that is very detrimental and actually toxic to your Christian walk. You've never been called to live under the old covenant. In fact, if you are a Christian, you live under grace. For centuries, churches, preachers, Christians, they thought that the way to fight sin in their life is to preach more law. They didn't realize that the more law you preach, the more sin comes. That's what Paul reveals to us. So the only way to reign in life and to reign over sin in your life is to be under constant flow of God's grace, under the waterfall of God's grace. Okay, so when the old covenant was inaugurated, the heart of the old covenant is the law. The law was given as an external thing for you to compare yourself with and to see how much you match God or do not match God. And surprise, surprise, you do not match God. When the new covenant was inaugurated, Nothing external was given. The Holy Spirit was given internally to come to be with you and to be in you and to transform your life from within, to change you from within. Just like we were reading this and listening to this testimony, they hear the word of the gospel and it changes you from within. The Holy Spirit begins to bring light and change the way you think, change the way you, you understand and process things, make decisions, change your attitudes. It's it just beautiful, beautiful to see how it works. So the Holy Spirit is not a power. It's not just an impersonal force or some kind of a, what do they call these days? Vibes, good vibes. You guys have cool vibes here. Yeah, we do have cool vibes, but cool vibes here are because Holy Spirit is here and He's a person. You can register vibes and you can like interact with vibes all your life never knowing the person. 
And I want you to know the person of the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit because it is absolutely indispensable. It's crucial for you to know the person of the Holy Spirit, His presence in your life. Because that's what Jesus died for. He said, it's good that I go. I know your heart is sad. He was speaking to His disciples because I told you that I'm leaving. Because you're used to, you're used to having me right next to you. And you know where, when, when you have me right next to you, you experience the reality of God the Father. But I'm going away. And your hearts are sad now. But don't be sad. It's good that I'm going. It's, it's good for you that I'm leaving now. Because if I go, I will send Him, the Spirit of truth. And when He comes, life will never be the same. And that's what I'm going to address today. But today, I specifically want to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. And it may sound theoretical and abstract, but it's super practical. And I hope I'll be able to show you how practical it is for your life. And I want to target a specific, erroneous belief developed and adopted by the church. And this erroneous belief has been detrimental in the lives of so many Christians. Listen carefully to see if you have been influenced by that belief. And if you have been, I hope to be able to show you the way out of it, to be free from that. What is this belief? It is a belief that one of the primary roles or functions of the Holy Spirit is to expose specific sins in the life of a believer. I called my message today the great defamation. That's pretty bold and provocative, I know. But I believe this is one of the biggest defamations that took place in the history of the church when this was ascribed to the Holy Spirit as the main role that He does in the believer's life. It is not true. It is not biblical. And I hope to show you today. And I know you've heard it so many times. Oh, the Holy Spirit convinced, convicted me in this sin and that sin. And when you say something for too long, it becomes truth. And if you don't examine it, it remains to be truth. But it's not true. So you say, Dennis, but I've been hearing it all my life. And I've been saying that all my life. Don't worry, dude. I've been preaching it half of my life. <laughs> but then I stopped. I slowed down. And I checked the scripture. And it's not there. How many things like that we have in our life that we somehow inherited. And without thinking, we use it. They roll off our tongue. And we like, we never examine them. So... If I challenge you today to find the passage in the New Testament where the conviction of specific sins in the life of a believer is directly connected with the function of the Holy Spirit, you know what? Guess what? You won't find a single passage. It's not there. It's not in the New Covenant. Well, some of you know your Bible a little better than others, and you would say, hey, Dennis, what about chapter 16 of John? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> We're going to look exactly at this chapter. We're going to slow down, look at this chapter, and see what it says. Yes, it has Holy Spirit described there. And yes, one of the things that the Holy Spirit, it says, is doing is convicting of sin. And yes, and no, it doesn't mean it's convicting you of specific sins that you commit in your life. Let's, let's look at that. Let's look at it more carefully. 
It's been taken out of the context and used to teach that the Holy Spirit's job is to expose you and convince a believer in their sins. You won't find this logic in this passage. Let's read it carefully and slowly. But before I read chapter 16, I want you to know that chapter 16 is part of the big discourse at the end of the Gospel of John. It starts at 14 with the words that Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And it finishes by the end of chapter 17. It's a big chunk of scriptures. And if you're not on a particular program of reading, I would highly recommend you take next week and slowly read these chapters, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And it's amazing. I was racked reading these chapters as, as I was preparing for this message. Well, anyway, let's start by reading chapter 14. And this is a big speech that Jesus gives to his disciples before he leaves. And they're sad because they feel, they, 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 they don't quite fully understand what he's saying, but they got the gist that he is living. And their heart is heavy and sad. And he begins to explain things to them. And here's what he says in chapter 14. He says, listen, I will ask my father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me again. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, in you, in me, and I in you. Whoa! The heart is sad. He is leaving. They feel like they're being abandoned. They're becoming orphans. And he says, no, you don't get it. You will never be orphans. You will never be orphans. Yes, there will be short little time when you will feel that all the darkness will be so thick over you that you won't know what to do. You will think that all hope lost. But that's going to be short three days. And after that, He is coming to you. I am coming to you. You will never be orphans. Holy Spirit is coming to you. The Holy Spirit. And what is going to happen in your life when the Holy Spirit comes into your life? On that day, you will know that I am in the Father. And my Father is in me. And you are in me. We're all like this. That's what you'll know on that day. And that will not be theoretical, abstract, theological piece of knowledge in your mind. That will be your experience. The Holy Spirit is absolutely crucial in your life to be an experiential Christian, a disciple of Jesus. Jesus said, it's good that I leave. It's good for you that I go because what you have with you will be in you, in you. And that's how he introduces the topic of the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 16, he begins to tell us what the Holy Spirit 
will be doing when he comes. And that's where we find this phrase that connects conviction of sin with the role or the function of the Holy Spirit. And that's where I want you to look carefully and to see what it says there and also to see what it doesn't say there. So let's read it. He says in chapter 16, beginning from verse 7, second half of the verse, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will listen. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And then he begins to unpack every, each of these three categories. He says, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. For he will speak not, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Do you guys remember when the conference took place, Sergei spoke one language, and whatever I heard, I told you in your language? That's the picture right there. So, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He, the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's how he will glorify. All that, is, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's Jesus' introduction to the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. So that's a very brief and succinct description. And it's a great news, guys. The Holy Spirit is here. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is right now. He's here. Right now, He's here. Most of you have Him inside. Some of you have them outside. And those who have them outside, He longs to be inside. And he, all He wants to do is to tell you about Jesus, how beautiful He is and what He has done. And what has happened as a result of that. And how God can take you the way you are because what Jesus has done. All right. So he's speaking about Jesus. And if you read this carefully, every time Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus to you, if you are a believer, to you it comes as a comforting, as counseling, as encouragement. Basically, the Holy Spirit points out to Jesus. He testifies about Jesus and what he has done. The Holy Spirit, I'll say it again, brings the reality of Jesus to your life. So Jesus, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, what I'm telling you, what makes you a Christian is not you're going to church on Sundays or anything that you do that is considered to be Christian practice, which is great. 
Great Christian habits, great Christian practices. What makes you a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus. And it's as real as it was for those disciples that we read in the Bible. The only difference, and this is the coolest thing, it's your personal Jesus. He is personally available to you. It's not an imaginative, it's not a like imaginative friend. It's, it's not weird like psychological disorder. Real Jesus is brought to you by the person of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus is brought to you, the Father becomes real because Jesus is the only begotten Son. And when He's with you, you become, you become one of the sons of God and daughters of God. Johnny Cash has this song, <laughs> you know, personal, no, your own personal Jesus. Well, this is, that's exactly what's going to happen. Like, you either have Jesus as your own personal Jesus that hears you, talks to you, walks with you through your life, understands you when nobody can understand or you don't. Who brings this reality into your life? The Holy Spirit does. He loves to glorify Jesus in your life. And when Jesus becomes real to you, oh my goodness, you bring the reality of God to other people's lives. And it's no longer nominal Christianity. It's not blah, blah anymore. Oh my goodness. Jesus called him the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. And when he comes to you, he reveals the truth to you. What kind of truth? He reveals the truth about Jesus and you, God and you. And <laughs> you will experience him. And that's an interesting dilemma right now I'm going to introduce to you. If America, English-speaking world, has a lot of Bible translations. You know that, right? And you, you can have your preference. You're in America, right? But this particular passage, it's almost like every translation has a different word for this helper. Some translations say helper. Some counselor. Some comforter. Some advocate. Which is it? Exactly, because Jesus, when he says, when the spirit of truth comes to you, a believer, he comes as parakletos. That's a Greek word that can be trans that is very dense and can be translated in multiple ways. And they're just, they're having a hard time figuring out which one to bring to the forefront. But it's all of that. So the word parakletos carries a rich and nuanced meaning. And it's hard to translate. It's often translated as helper, comforter, counselor, advocate, depending on the translation. The word signifies someone who comes alongside another person to provide assistance, support, encouragement, and legal representation. Wow. Wow. And he's called helper too. When the Spirit comes... He comes to talk to you about Jesus. That's how you know it's the Spirit of God. 
He reveals the truth about Jesus. And when you begin to hear and see the truth about Jesus, you begin to experience his comfort, his counseling, his support, his raising up, his, oh, I, this word advocacy, you know, English is not my native language, so I look up to definitions often. So I look at advocacy, look at this, support for, arguing for, calling for, pushing for, pressing for, defending, espousing, approving, endorsing, recommending, advising in favor, backing, supporting, favoring, acceptance. Whoa, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's about you. That Holy Spirit, the, the person of God is for you in this world. The great defamation that took place, people took this verse, one line, he will convict the world in concerning sin, and they say the Holy Spirit, his main job, he's convicting you of your sins. That's a great defamation, guys. Learn to unlearn this phrase from your vocabulary. Is there a place to regret about something that you've done that is totally wrong and you might have hurt other people? Of course. There's a place for repentance. There's a place for contrition. But that's not Holy Spirit's job. That's your job, actually. <laughs> when you see something horribly wrong in the light of the truth that the Spirit reveals about Jesus, and you see that it takes some, you know, you need to fix that. Go and fix that. You need to ask for forgiveness. Go and ask for forgiveness. You need to tell somebody, oh, I'm so sorry what I said was hurtful and wrong. Forgive me. Do that. But the Holy Spirit is not nagging you about your sins. He's not. When I was preparing for this message, uh, I remember the, the book of Proverbs. And if you read the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, it has a lot of practical wisdom there. And I love this comparison between a good wife and not so good wife. It's not to bring any condemnation to your wives, I know. But listen, there's, a, there's this chapter about this beautiful wife that is like super-duper wife. They don't exist, actually. I believe it was given to show us what the Holy Spirit actually does in your life. Because originally, a wife is called a helper. So you got a general idea, fine-tuning, wife does that. So <laughs> it says that if you read this description of a good wife, a husband is... What is he doing? Like he's just hanging and chilling with the big boys at the gate of the city. And she does everything. That's a good wife. And a bad wife there, it's described as a constantly nagging her husband. About something that is wrong and that needs to be helped and fixed. And it, ah! That's not about my wife. I'm just... Actually, it's about every wife a little bit, right? Come on, let, let's be honest. But it says, it says that it's, it's better to live on a little tiny apartment with a good wife than in a big mansion with a nagging wife. Well, politically correct, I should have said nagging spouse. But I use the book of Proverbs, it says wife. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I, I got carried away by this example. But I, I think it's true because one, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, He does want you to act like God is real in your life when you're, He's not. He wants you to receive the reality of God and experience Him. 
and just enjoy the ride. I can give you an example. We were preparing this conference, and as we were preparing this conference, this was the first time ever conference we've done internationally. And I was getting nervous because the previous conference was getting a lot of traction in registration. The second conference we were doing, it was not getting a lot of traction. And the weeks went by and people were not registering. I was like, oh, Lord, I'm so nervous. So we tried hard to promote it. We tried hard to promote it online, here and there. And I tried to, like, put some guilt trips on you guys. Come to the conference. No, no, I don't do that. I try not to. Anyway, two weeks late. Two weeks before the conference, we still have a very small number of people registered. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, and then I hear Holy Spirit talks to me. I said, hey, you still want to try to promote it or you want me to do it? <laughs> that was so comforting, guys. I cannot convey to you how comforting it was. I literally, it allowed me to like, ha, huh, Welcome. Here's what began to happen. I heard these stories. I don't know how many stories are there, but like one guy was watching us in uh, Tennessee. I, I hope I, I got it right. The, the, it doesn't matter where he was from. Oh, the, the lady was watching us. Sorry, take it back. The lady was experiencing a deep depression in her life, and she was watching some preacher from Russia that has nothing to do with us, has nothing to do with anything, and he said this, he said, if you are in the wilderness of your depression, the God is telling you, take a step and underneath your foot, you will feel a little hump. That's a palm tree growing. You're going to find yourself in the oasis that God creates for you. And the next thing she sees is this ad, boom, oasis conference. And her heart goes, whoa, and she comes. Yeah, yeah. Another lady, <laughs> her husband is a truck driver, and he wakes up and he says, uh, I saw the weirdest dream. In that dream, there was a truck semi, and it has a trailer, and the company's name was Oasis, and it was a full, chock full of good stuff, and I couldn't figure out where is it, because I don't know a company called Oasis. Next thing she sees in that online, and so she goes, whoa. There was one guy who was a truck driver too. He parked the truck right in front of the church. He's from LA. He was about to take a trip related to his work to the other side of the country. A few days before, he learns about the conference. Everything works out. He comes here. He comes into the meeting place. He, he meets me and his eyes are big and he's shaking my hand. He said, I could not believe it. He said, what? He said, you guys... Two days ago, I learned about the conference. I didn't know whether it's going to work or not. But when I came, I found two guys in the same place that uh, influenced my life in the deepest possible way. He said, I watched one of your messages two years ago online, and it wrecked me forever. It changed the way I think. It changed my life. And I, I didn't know you're going to be here. And then Sergey is here, our keynote speaker. And you can't, you can't do those things, you know? You cannot pull them off. You cannot. But it began to happen when I said, okay, Holy Spirit, okay. You, you, you do your ads. Uh, well, anyway, good wife, bad wife, right? Yeah. So, let me come back. That wasn't my uh, outline. So, if 
Let, let's read it. So when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, it says he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Before we proceed to convicting concerning sin, I want you to understand the Greek word for convict. The Greek word elekho, and it can be actually translated in various contexts, including both positive and negative. It often denotes act of exposing wrongdoing. Yes, that's true. But it also has a positive implications. It carries the sense of bringing to light or exposing the truth about a matter. Do you understand? So when the truth of the matter is your surprise party for birthday, and you didn't know it, and you thought you have total privacy, and you got totally naked, and the light goes on, and everybody goes, surprise! That's not good for you, but nobody was going to expose you of like wrongdoing. You just, yeah. It happens, unfortunately, to us, right? I mean, not this exact thing, but similar thing. I hope that exact thing never happened to you. That'd be so traumatizing. So that's convict. So what is it that the Spirit brings to light and reveals the truth about, guys, in this passage? The answer is simple. It's like Sunday school answer. It's Jesus? Yeah, it's Jesus. And there are three categories, three audiences that he talks about. He says when he comes to the world, yes, this light that the Spirit brings comes as an, exp as an exposing light. There is a sin that they don't believe in me. The Spirit has come, and He testifies about Jesus. And the only sin that the Holy Spirit is concerned with is not receiving Jesus, is rejecting Jesus. And we should be the same way, guys. We should concern ourselves so much with the sins of other people, and even with our own sins. We should be concerned with Jesus. And when you meet somebody in this world, the main question for you, does he or she believe in Jesus? That's the only thing that matters right now in, in, in eternity, right? So the unbelieving world, the believers, and the ruler of this world, these are three audiences, I should say, that bring three kind of topics. So John 16, 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me, Jesus said. Sin of unbelief is, is the only sin. I've already said that. I'm not going to develop that. The Holy Spirit has, not come, has come not to convict believers of their specific sins, but to testify about Jesus and to the non-believing world, to save them from their unbelief. I, I don't know, I wasn't planning to talk about it, but I see so many angry Christians criticizing everybody who's not like them and pointing to their sins, specific sins, specific sins. You're not doing the work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Stop being angry person who misrepresent God and Jesus in this world. 
The only true representative is the Holy Spirit. And when we hear Spirit and speak the words of the Spirit, it's all about Jesus. Amen. All right. So next in verse 10, he says, concerning righteousness. And that's what I want you to do. So if the question is, if he doesn't convict believers in their individual sins, what does he convict us of? What does he bring light about? And it says specifically here, righteousness. The Spirit comes to convict you, to give you convictions of your righteousness. Because it takes supernatural thing to reveal it to us. Because we willingly agree with our guilt and shame. And it's really hard for us to receive the truth of the gospel that we have been made righteous. Holy Spirit wants to work hard in your life to get you established in your righteousness. And the third thing that he comes to talk is judgment. And he says, and by the way, he speaks the righteousness for I'm leaving. When he was ready to leave, he said, I've come to do something. And it's about to be done. And as of today, 2023, it's been done for 2,000 years. Righteousness is yours. And the judgment, he says, the, the judgment. Oh, before I jump to judgment, that's going to be interesting, actually. I'm going to say, I'm going to give you a few more verses to show you what the Spirit is actively doing in the life of a believer. By the way, uh, do you see that Jesus is speaking when he speaks about the world concerning uh, convicting the world in sin? sin that they don't believe in me then he turns to his disciples and he says concerning righteousness because you will no longer see me you see that he's saying you talking to believers so the first part does not apply to them am i getting you confused no are you a believer in jesus so the first part does not apply to you you cannot be convicted of sin of not believing in jesus <laughs> you you believe in jesus for you, what you need to be convicted is your righteousness. That is not yours, but was a gift of God and applied to you and fully legit before God. Your standing with God is an absolute immaculate. Whether you're like cool and clean or whether you're in the middle of something horrible that you're doing, you have a gift of forgiveness and righteousness. That's the main clause of the New Testament. So, a few more verses. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 12. I'm actually going to skip most of it to save time. I'm going to jump right to verse 12. Verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing 24-7. What about the time I sleep? Yes. When you sleep, he, that's, he wants to reveal. He wants to reveal to you the unsearchable riches of Christ. The gift. It's all grace, guys. It's all grace. 
Romans 5 5 and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been listened poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us those guys who protest whatever they protest I don't see love of God poured out into their hearts I see a lot of hatred a lot of anger disguised as a Christian faith that's a bull crap and unfortunately this teaching that Holy Spirit mainly points to your sins in your life makes you a very unloving person you cannot relax because you don't believe you're you're safe you're okay and now I want us to come and look at, at the final thing about the judgment that's an interesting thing that's what happened here he says concerning judgment in verse 11 because the ruler of this world is judged who is the ruler of this world do you know Satan God's enemy your enemy but I want you to know something he rigged the system at a certain point and he was using lawful means to oppress you and the entire mankind how did it work he actually used God's law here's I will simplify it for you Old Covenant high standard of God's law let's say you're part of the Old Covenant let's say you're a Jewish person back then you have something outside of you and you try to comply and you fail and it's called sin and as soon as it happens someone pops up right next to you and he blames you and he accuses you before God legitimately it's legit you have sinned and he goes you Laura Gale you have violated God's holy law you have sinned you're worthy of death and perdition and damnation you Randy you have sinned yeah <laughs> I know <laughs> I know what you did well anyway no you know and it was all legit it was all legit and you know what happens to you if you're honest before God your conscience goes amen how many of those accusations will it take before you will realize that something is horribly wrong with you I don't know it won't take many he's a professional accuser he's professional accuser and he doesn't accuse you in stuff that you haven't done he accuses you of stuff you've done and what happens as a result your your conscience got pierced and when your conscience got pierced your heart tells you you are damned you are what's the word condemned and condemned means you don't qualify to be in front of God to be in God to be with God you have a light years of distance between you and God and you can never ever gap or bridge this gap do you understand so what the new covenant did he destroyed this whole system and this accuser has no right to accuse you anymore and the only thing that accuses you and uh, condemns you is your conscience that's what you need to have a revelation of the blood of Jesus and the cross of Christ because I do not care what I have done 
Five minutes ago, the blood of Christ. First of all, I live, I walk in the gift of forgiveness. I do not lose my forgiveness and regain and reobtain my forgiveness. I don't get into the stupid, vicious cycle. I live forgiven. I live loved. That's the gospel. That's the fruit of the gospel. And your heart is mended uh, by the blood of Christ, your conscience is cleared, is cleansed by the blood of Christ and your heart becomes the whole uh, vessel, the container to, to, to be filled with God himself. And you gain confidence and boldness to come to the throne of grace, to receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, okay? And guys, Dennis, it's so theological. Make it practical. I'll, I'll make it practical for you. The human language is exactly the language. And the irony, I forgot to tell you, this guy who shows up, the accuser, it's, it's a Greek word. I, I gave you a lot of Greek today. I make you feel very smart by the end of the day. The Greek word for accuser is kategoros. Does it sound familiar? Category, that's right. We categorize people. We put labels on people. That is super practical. We put labels ourselves. I'm a failure. I'm stupid. I'm this. I'm that. I'm this. I'm that. And by that, you negate what God speaks of you, my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. That new category needs to be branded in you. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who can do that. The blood of Christ removes all the labels that you put upon yourself or somebody else did. And the branding of the Holy Spirit is a, a beloved child of God. Receiving the fullness of grace. Oh. You need to learn to apply it to yourself. And that's what the Holy Spirit is working hard in your life to instill in you, to, to establish in you. And that's what he wants you to establish in others. So how does it translate into practicality? God gave me sharp mind so I can and observe. I, I can be very observant. So quickly, I understand what people are like. I see their trends and I see their weaknesses. Of course, I don't see my own, you know. <laughs> but, but like it's so easy to dislike somebody, to disqualify somebody, and not to love somebody, to withhold your love from somebody based on your observations and your labels. Do you hear me? So what I do, I ask myself a question. When, when I go to meet someone that I don't particularly like, but I know he or she is a brother or a sister in the Lord, I say, Lord, I don't know how to love this person. Holy Spirit, come love this person through uh, through me it's me it's him it's him yeah. no it's not him <clears throat> so I'm serious try that try it because what, here's what happens when you as soon as you remember that person let's say we're talking about a specific person you remember this all the bad qualities of this person you know who's talking Kategoros is talking and you're listening and then you're saying the same things. You're not reigning in life in that moment. My personal example, I do not like flaky people. I don't. And I understand that some of them have a, like a difficult life and childhood, whatever. But I, 
I want to be reliable and I want to have reliable people near me. But some of my brothers and sisters are flaky. And if God sends them my way, I am to love them. So I need to look every time I interact with them, I need to remember, oh, ba 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 categories, categories, labels, labels. I say, no, 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 who's talking? Categoros is talking. And he's being judged. He is being judged. And who, who, is, who else is talking? Paracletos. Oh, a helper, a comforter. A counselor, an advocate is talking and he has something to say about these people and you need to learn to hear it and say it. Is that practical enough for you? All right. Okay guys, let me, uh, let me pray quickly and we'll start worshiping. I want to pray specifically and I want the prayer ministry to pray today. If you have never experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, I want you specifically come to, to be prayed by these people. And especially, I think Stephen Bell and Jenny are really good at that. Can you join for prayer? That'd be great. Uh, just, yeah, specifically those people who really want to experience Holy Spirit in your life. Come to Jenny and Stephen Bell when, when they got there. These guys, yeah, yeah, you can go right there. But right now, I'll just pray general prayer over everybody. Let's, let's open our hearts. Father, thank you so much for exposing a great the great defamation that we've been thinking about the Holy Spirit, that His main job is to point to our sins all the time, but it's not true. He's pointing to Jesus and what it means to us. Father, You reveal and make Jesus real to people, so make it real to us. And may Jesus make the reality of God the Father tangible and real to us. Father, let us worship and experience Your presence right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.